0: But I started going, man, you know, I got to get out of this. I can't be sleeping behind the speakers my whole life. I got to figure out a way to make money. You know, I, I left to find my fame and fortune to find wealth. So how how am I going to do this? And I started looking around and I thought, man, you know, uh, no one's making money here except the drug dealers. What if? And then I thought, yeah, no, I'm not good at crime. I thought, what if I were you know, became a drug dealer? I mean, they have the beautiful girls the fancy cars the nice houses they're living a good life and then i Imagine i, it I realized mind, yeah. yeah it crossed my mind and then i looked back to my school years in the united states
1: welcome back to the authentic entrepreneur with your host oscar war We're live. Today I'm speaking with Shane Cheyenne. He's an author, serial entrepreneur, and speaker who has crossed the $1 billion mark with one of his companies, which he has grown many of, doing on the Amazon marketplace. And now he's teaching people to do the same. So thank you so much for coming on, Shane. Great to speak with you. Very awesome title to have. As I haven't heard anybody else do this, and I'd love to know, you know, what are you up to these days, and how how did you get to where you are right now? Like, Just t- tell me a brief overview of what does it mean to get to $1 billion?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Oscar. Really pleased to be on. We're doing this show very early in the morning, my time, which is 5 a.m., and it's funny because you and I were talking earlier on in the show about my morning routine and as we were discussing it and you know, I, I usually wake up around 5.30 in the morning. I'm not one of those early, early risers that rises at 4 a.m. Although I did that in my 20s, I, I wake up around 5.30. I will do a little bit of breathing exercises, love the Wim Hof breathing and I do some box breathing, different breathing techniques. And then I'll do a little bit of meditation. Uh, I'll do an ice bath plunge. I'll do a little bit of red light. I'll spend some time in the infrared sauna. And just before everybody in the house gets up and the day gets going and you've got everybody's energy all over the place, I'm tuned in. And it's funny that you mentioned being authentic because for me, that is how I find that focus. And I realized that during any day that You have to become laser focused, which is kind of what I accredit my success to. When I put my mind to something, even when I was a child, before I made any money, I would get completely absorbed in that thing. I am incapable physically of physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually, if that's the kind of thing you believe in, um, to just dipping my foot into something So, or dipping my foot in something. When I get involved in something that I'm interested in, I am all in. I will get all the books. I will watch all the videos. I will call people on the phone. And funny enough, with my first company, that's exactly what I did left home when i was 15 we were iranian immigrants we came to this country when i was 5 by the time i was 15 i was like dude fuck this i am out my folks wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or some crazy thing like that which you know was the pinnacle of achievement for them they were like you know if our son can become a doctor that is the height of immigrant success mm. And for me, that just was not in the cards. I looked around me, I saw wealth everywhere. My family had managed to buy a house in a up and coming part of Los Angeles, which started really coming up after we moved there. So we're this poor, lower middle class, Iran family of immigrants, don't speak English moving into a house where overnight the neighborhood becomes wealthy people we see the cars changing from toyotas to mercedes and we see the big houses popping up around us but we're still poor my dad's working at a dry cleaners my mom is a housewife you know we never bought new clothes we never ate out at, at restaurants and so when i was 15 i looked around and i thought hey man I want to achieve that success. I want the Porsche and the beautiful girl and the, and the boats and the you know, fancy you know, things that, are, that come with wealth. And I'm not going to get it going to school. This is going to crush me. I don't understand what they're teaching. I don't like the culture of academia. So I took off and I left everything. I burned my ships. No friends, no family out on my own trying to figure out what my next move was going to be
1: really that fascinates me that you just at 15 you felt that desire to go make something bigger and just change the path that had been pre-designed for you like what was the what did you what was the vision in your mind when you wanted to do that like well 15, coming i wasn't thinking about that at all
0: yeah, yeah. well come, coming mm. as an immigrant from iran
1: mm. i would get the shit kicked
0: out of me every day Los Angeles was not the friendliest place to be an immigrant Iranian boy, and you know in Iran I was king of the heap. I was the leader of all the groups. You know, five years old, we would take off It's a very safe place for kids. I'm not saying that sarcastically. Iran was and is very safe as far as uh, kids and neighborhood crime and stuff. So I would take off, and we would all you know have the best life ever until we moved to this country. Uh, to the United States, and I realized I was a a third class citizen, and it was it was hard. And I knew that if I wanted to come up in this country, I, I would have to gather great wealth and fortune. And so I started reading. These books, which at that time were not popular, people didn't really read that much self help and personal development. So I would read these old timey guys like Napoleon Hill and Augment, you know, these old dudes, Zig Ziglar, these guys who would be, you know, guys like that who would be writing about you know, success and people in the in the turn of the century, and maybe Zig Ziglar came later in the 80s, I think, but those kinds of old-timey guys. And I was alone. There was nobody I could talk to about that. And I discovered Bruce Lee, whose teachings were amazing. And I watched all his movies and I saw, man, this is this little Chinese guy who, despite all the racism, all the pressure, all the people telling him he can't do it has become the biggest movie star in the world, the greatest martial artist to ever live. And not only that, like, look at him. He's just this little skinny Asian dude like me. And he is succeeding in the In the best of ways. I really thought he was an inspiration. You know, Bruce Lee was was a philosopher. He was a martial artist and he was the guy I wanted to be. I wanted to be that little guy that against all odds kicked everybody's ass. I was highly competitive which, by the way, is one of the markers for success. If you look at successful people, the string that connects them all is that they're highly competitive, very interesting in, in most of the people who've researched wealth and success. So, I, yeah, so I, I, I found a mentor, fell into the electronic music scene at the time, the rave dance scene of the 1990s, which was booming. I was at the right place at yeah, all that electronic music. I was at the right place at the right time. And I noticed in the clubs that the supply of ecstasy had nearly disappeared, that the drug dealers were in a tough spot. So I decided that, and mind you, I was broke. I was going to the clubs and I would hang out a little bit, uh, you know, have fun with people. And then and by the way, I, would, I, I didn't do any drugs in those days. I was 110% drug-free. And I would hang out, listen to a little bit of music, maybe make a couple friends. And then I would go sleep in the back room or sleep behind the speakers because those clubs would start late at night and they would go until the early morning, which was spectacular. So I could sleep in the club, wake up in the morning. Go out and, and have a have a great day. So it was a, it was a place for me to to just sleep mostly, but I started going, man, you know I got to get out of this. I can't be sleeping behind the speakers my whole life. I got to figure out a way to make money. You know I can't left to find my fame and fortune to find wealth. So how how am I gonna do this? And I started looking around and I thought, man, you know uh, no one's making money here except the drug dealers. What if? And then I thought, yeah, no, I'm not good at crime. I thought, what if I was, you know, became a drug dealer? I mean, they have the beautiful girls, the fancy cars, the nice houses, they're living a good life. And then I imagine I imagine it I crossed my mind, yeah. Yeah, it crossed my mind. And then I looked back to my school years in the United States. And when we started a little bit of a criminal empire, we had a little bit of a, a tiny West side mafia group Uh, in my, in my, in my early adolescence, where we had a little kid, uh, with us at the time, and it was a little Greek kid and he was short and super cute. You know, I I don't think you're allowed to say he was a little person and he would back in those days, the stores had the, you know, the electronic sensors that prevent people from Uh. stealing things. And those things were about four feet off the ground. So because okay. they, they, they had the sensor four feet off the ground, he was just under four feet tall. So he could fit right under the sensors. So we would send him into the store. I would keep the cashier busy or me and a couple of our cronies would keep the cashier busy while he would take those little bottles, you know, those little bottles of alcohol. He would take some glue. He would take cigarettes. He would take all the porno magazines, the playboys, the penthouses, all all the contraband, and he would stick it in his pants. He'd wear really baggy pants and jackets and he would stick all that stuff in his pants. And then he would sneak out um, underneath the sensors and we would sell Mm. the stuff in school during those times. And I, I write about this in my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Throw Pill Cult. Well, the fact was we were always getting busted, always getting in trouble, always in the principal's office. And fortunately for me, when I discovered meditation and became uh, a more self-realized criminal back in my childhood days, a child criminal, I should say. I haven't committed crimes as, a, as an adult. I realized that I was really bad at crime. I realized that I should not be doing crime because we would always get caught. And I thought to myself, I looked at all these other people who are doing crime. And I thought, you know, these people are all doing crime, but they're really bad at it. Like they should have picked a different area of life to get involved in, because there's some people that are really good at crime. And to them, you know, more power to you don't hurt anybody else. But if you're doing crime. That's fine. I got no problems with you. But it's the people who you're like, oh, my God, they're terrible. And then they go to jail and then they come back and then they do more crime. And you're like, right. You're like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? So I had at least enough self-realization in those days to know, yeah, crime was not for me. Life of crime, not for me. And I was too, too neurotic and crazy. And, you know, all those things Uh, coming from a Jewish family, um, I would worry too much. So what I did was I thought to myself, what if I came up with a version of ecstasy that was legal, that was safe, that I could make anywhere and you know, and sell for a lot of money. I could, I could mm-hmm. really profit. And all I would have to do is find a place to sell it. And I know everybody here at the club. This would be fantastic.
1: Coming up with the idea was basically like you're seeing uh, market fits and you said that ecstasy wasn't as available because it was like being more hunted down by the government and yeah somehow you wanted to create that and of course i guess the ingredients weren't like readily available either how did you come up with something that you could sell
0: so it wasn't that nobody told me i couldn't do it because i i think the majority of people would have probably said that it was that i didn't listen to them i did not know that i could not succeed i did not mm-hmm. know that i could fail All I knew was that I was going to do it. It's interesting. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I don't know who said this. Maybe it was Henry Ford, but it's the person who says it can't be done should not interrupt the person doing it. Mm, Totally. And I love that quote. That was the mindset that I came at and I did everything that I needed to do to make it happen. I went to the library. The library was free. There was books on herbal medicine. I started reading up. I found the people who wrote those books and I started calling them. And this is back in the day where you would use this book called the yellow pages pre-internet. And you could open up this book and you could look up people's names and you could call them. And sometimes I wouldn't find the person because sometimes authors wouldn't be listed, but I would find a cousin and they'd be like, oh no, you know, George Zingleberry is my uh, cousin, and I'd be like, "Great, you know, I'm working on this product. Can you give me his number?" Well, I, you sound like a nice fellow. Sure, and then I'd call George Zingleberry, wow. and he would help me with the thing. And I would go door to door. I would go to Chinese herbalists. I would find people, and I would knock on their door. You know, and I'd be like, "Hello." Uh, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And they would have to answer. And I wouldn't leave until they said yes. I would constantly do that kind of thing. And it was was interesting and exciting time. But finally, I came up to this package of goo-filled capsules. Uh, They weren't capsules. They were like balls. I didn't have the machine to buy capsules so you know there's a machine that you need to have in order to uh, make capsules and i didn't have enough money to do that so we made them into little balls i had a girlfriend at the time uh, you know and everybody was saying hey you know you need money to get a girlfriend to go whatever i had no money and i had a girlfriend and we used her house i somehow managed to convince her that when her father was away to let me cook the stuff up in her kitchen And we did. And I put them in these little baggies and made them look as good as I could at the time. And they worked. They worked really well. But you had to consume like 25 of these like goo filled balls, but they worked. It was weird, but they worked. And when we finally had it down to like five goo filled balls Mm -hmm. in in little baggies, I took it to the club. And I walked up to the first drug dealer I saw, the biggest guy there. And I said, hey, buddy, you got to sell these. And he said, fuck off, kid. And I said, no, 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 really, like, got to sell these. He goes, what, what the fuck is this crap? He's like, so you're going to us- Yeah, I was 15. Yeah. I was a, a 15-year-old kid. And I said, look, it's it's called, and I had a moment trying to think of what I'm going to call this, because I hadn't thought about that before. And he said, what is this shit? And I, he says, I only deal E. And I said, it's herbal ecstasy. And he goes, what? I've never heard of that shit. And he looks at it and he goes, it looks like shit. And I said, yeah, but here's the deal, bud. And I knew in that moment was another one of those moments of mm. me thinking to myself, hey, man, you know, self-doubt's a bitch. Self-doubt will, yeah. will make you crumble. Self-doubt will make you shiver and quit and, and run home to your mommy. Self-doubt is one of the things that keeps entrepreneurs and, and anybody who's trying to succeed in any area of life down. So I had yeah. that moment of self-doubt but I beat it down. And I looked the guy in the eyes and I knew I was like, you know what? This is my sink or swim moment. So here I am. I've made the trip out from Iran. I got beaten up every day of my life for 10 10 plus years. And now I'm here and I'm going to make it. And you are going to sell this stuff and I am going to succeed. And I looked him in the eye and I said, look, man, here's what's going to happen. I know that you don't have any ecstasy. I know all of it's coming in from England and Holland, and they've shut off that pipeline. You're selling crap. You don't have anything to sell people. These customers are going to go somewhere else, and the police are going to bust you for selling garbage. And and who knows? God forbid somebody could get hurt. This stuff's all natural. You can sell it. And it was just in that moment when I was making that pitch, almost out of breath, Mm. that a couple people walk up. And the guy reaches in his pocket and realizes that his pockets are empty. And he looks at me and he motions like this to, you know, give him the, the little baggies and I give it to him and I go away. So I'll come back in a couple hours, come back in a couple hours. I see all the people dancing. I see the bag empty of all the different little, but it was a big bag with a bunch of little bags of, of yeah. uh, our, our makeshift pills in there. He had tried some himself, was loving it. And he calls me over and looks at me, kind of angry. And I'm like, "Okay, that's it. They're they're going to pull me out outside the club, beat the shit out of me." And this was this was the stupidest idea ever. Again, self doubt rearing its ugly head. And he's quiet for about a solid minute. And I'm starting to sweat. He's starting to sweat. And he goes, "Kid, how soon can you get me more?" Damn. And I knew it was on. And it went from one guy to 10 guys, to 1,000 guys, to 10,000 guys, to 100,000 guys, to all over the world, we had become a phenomenon selling through the club scene, selling in in legal clubs, selling in underground clubs, the electronic music festivals. We were selling in coffee shops, bookstores, sex stores. We were selling in pretty much record stores, uh, warehouse records, tower records, all the new age stores, everywhere you went, they were selling our product. We were in 7-Eleven. We were in GNC. We were in Urban Outfitters. We had become a phenomenon. And Not only that, I had hired everybody in Venice. We had over 200 employees. I was renting all the buildings there. I was buying properties out there. And everybody in Venice Beach was working for me in those days. And one day, still in my late teens, maybe wow. early 20s, I, I walked into my office I had long hair i looked like this guy that was me on the cover of the book and mm. i walked into the office you know exhausted because i wouldn't sleep much in those days one or two hours maybe and i'd be working the mm. whole time i was so excited you know i'd fall asleep on the factory floor i'd fall asleep on the warehouse floor i'd wake up i'd just continue working it didn't matter i'd go to business meetings you know i'd grab a couple hours of sleep in between and then just continue throughout the day so i walked into the office couple hours of sleep And the news broke. The news broke that we had broken a billion dollars in revenue. That's crazy. Six months earlier, or just about, I was sleeping in the backseat of an abandoned car, in abandoned buildings, on the beach, wherever I could, just trying to think of what my next move was. And now I was running a company with 200 employees, offices all over the world, And we had broken a billion dollars. And I remember my greatest panic in that moment was that I did not know how much a billion dollars was. No idea. And I remember panicking to myself, oh my God, I was like reaching for encyclopedias. I was trying to find the dictionary. Because remember, we did this pre-internet. We did Mm. this before Facebook, before Google, before Amazon, before any of that stuff really became a thing. We were there selling these pills before any of the social media marketing, before you could just go post somewhere online, before mobile phones, mm-hmm. we before all the Silicon Valley boom and crash and bust and boom and all that stuff. We had broken that, and from there it became a wild ride uh, through the through the history. Of my company. And I'm, you know, again, for anybody who's interested, I've got a, a book that's coming out this week. Probably by the time your listeners listen to this podcast or viewers watch this podcast, the book will be out. It's called Billion How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. If anybody's interested in it, the first chapter uh, is available for free. And you can get that on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or,
1: or anywhere podcasts are, are found. Mm, we'll definitely list, link it in the yeah. bio.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and now, you know, I, I pretty much, um, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take it to here for you. So I went off. And after that, I, in, I, I solved a different problem, the problem of vaporization. And I invented what became modern digital vaporization, created the first vape. The first vaporizer company to go public was the one that mm-hmm. I founded called Vapier was an amazing time there. And that company was worth many, many millions of dollars. And now is public on the markets. I'm no longer involved in that company as of this recording. And from there, I decided, Hey, man, you know, I really want to, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. And I thought, you know, I really need to work against cognitive decline. And not only that, I need to be sharper every day. So I hmm. thought I, I would invent a new nootropic So I decided to develop this brain pill called Accelerol, which I did, and it was selling really well, but I realized that if I wanted to sell it, I needed a lot of distribution. And this is back in the days where Jeff Bezos uh, would respond to emails. You could email jeff at amazon.com and Jeff would respond to you. And we got notice, I think through one one of his people in those days that he was opening up the Amazon platform to third-party sellers, people like yourself and me to sell products on there. Whereas before mm, you could days. only buy, yeah, you could only buy directly from Amazon and that he was going to be taking the marketplace global. So they would be setting up Amazon in the EU, Amazon in, in South and Central America, Asia, everywhere. It was his vision. So I thought, wow, this is cool. Why don't we try this? So I, I listed Accelerol on there. Went to sleep, didn't think much of it. Expensive supplement. It was $120 at the time for a box of it because it's really good. And I woke up to thousands of orders. And I thought to myself, dude, it's on. But what's amazing is that this is not a place to sell one product, this is the world's greatest distribution channel. That Jeff Bezos has built. And he's just opened it up to people. And more wealth is going to be created through Amazon than any other means for the more number of entrepreneurs in the next 10 to 20 years. And so I decided to focus my, the rest 10 years, 20 years of my life on Amazon. And how do you master their algorithm? How do you sell within their terms of service? How do you get reviews? How do you get your product on that first page? And how do you get stuff selling? And pretty soon people started coming to us asking me, hey, how do you do this? And I started teaching them how to do it. And that's where, you know, we built a course and we'll share the links at the end of the the podcast. But, you know, for for any of your listeners that are interested, I've got a one hour course where now I teach and empower other people to do the same thing. Because for me, it's not really about the money anymore. I've got a pretty good lifestyle. I travel all over the world with my family and from wherever we're at, we've got our Amazon businesses running and we explore the world and we go to fun adventures. We collect cars, we do all kinds of cool stuff. And while we're doing this stuff, we're making money, predictable recurring revenue on Amazon. And we, we teach that anybody that's interested. I've got a course. that's normally 200 bucks. I will include it for free for any of your listeners, Oscar. Uh, just. You know, mention the code OSCAR. I'm not going to have them mention your last name because uh, it's a little bit difficult.
1: They I won't think. be able to spell it.
0: They won't be able to spell it, but if the, anybody's interested, just go to my website. Link will be below shahinshane.com or FBA fbasellercourse.com. Get a hold of me. I'm always happy to, to talk to people. If you think I can help ignite your future success, the, and, and to make an impact in the world, not if you're a bullshit person, but if you are authentically looking to succeed in life and you think that I may be able to give you that little push that you need, reach out to me. And if I can help you, I will.
1: Totally. Awesome. Thank you so much for that journey, that story. What's really interesting is that it sounds like you always had a drive, even though there was some moments of self-doubt moments where you were like, uh, is this going to work? And I feel like that's one of the hardest things that people who want to work on a business, they go through. And sometimes those moments, they either make or break the person and oftentimes break them. So I'm wondering, what was like the drive behind building every new business? And was it always the same drive? And how has that changed? What was the motivator?
0: Yeah, people will always tell you that it's not about the money. People will tell you that money cannot buy happiness. Oscar. As somebody who's made over a billion dollars, maybe more in his lifetime, I'm here to tell you that the guy that said money is the root of all evil didn't have any. Money is fun. You are happier with money just a fact doesn't mean that everybody who has money is happy we all know that is not true and we can find many examples of people with money who are not happy but believe me it is easier i have been poor and i have been well i should say i've been broke i was never poor but i've been broke and i've been rich and it's a lot more fun being rich having money and it's it's just another tool in your toolkit you can learn anything and making money is just another thing to learn. We put it on such sure. a high pedestal where we think to ourselves, "Man, you know, uh, making money is so hard, and it's so like it's you know, it's just this tough nut to crack." And the fact is, it's just another skill set. It's just another tool. All the friends that I have that are millionaires, the the couple that are billionaires. If you ask them, "Hey, man, if I took you and I took everything away from you, everything." except your clothes, and I put you on that street corner during COVID, during the toughest time in the world, where would you be in six months? Where would you be in a year? And they'd be like, probably be a millionaire. And you're like, with what what degree of certainty? They'd be like 99%, almost all of them, because they know that the money is a side effect. The money is a result of this tool that you have. If you have a hammer and you have a nail, that nail is going to go through a piece of wood. It's just what the tool does. And so when you sharpen that tool of how you gather money, how you make money, how you attract money into your life, and I'm not talking about that woo-woo kind of like metaphysical manifestation, law of attraction bullshit. What I'm talking about is, is hard work and discipline. In building yourself up to become the kind of person that is that tool for making money. There's there, there's another another great quote. I I think it was Abraham Lincoln where they asked him, or or maybe I'm I'm butchering this. Maybe it was somebody else where they asked him, "Look, if I gave you ten hours to cut down the tree axe, how would you do it?" And he said. You know, I would spend nine and a half hours sharpening the ax and half an hour sh- chopping down the tree. And that's yeah. really the, the attitude that you have to come at these kinds of things with. So for me personally, to, to come full circle to your question is that that drive was always there to succeed and to make money. Now, I never chase money. That doesn't work. If you go, I'm gonna make fifty million dollars. I'm gonna make a hundred million dollars. No, that's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. Anybody who says that is good to be on Instagram because that sells. When you see young people and they want to succeed and they see the guys with the Lambos and the bikini girls and they're you know in the desert and there's like fifty bikini girls lined up and they're in their you know Lamborghinis, you like that's all bullshit. That's all meant to make you want to buy what that person is selling because they're hoping to make money from your desire. It's easier for people mm. to buy the bullshit story, to buy that kind of dream, to spend you know a couple thousand bucks on that guy's course or whatever it is that guy is selling to say, hey, man, I bought a lottery ticket. It's why people buy fucking lottery tickets. They don't realize that when they do that. Every single time they are betting against themselves. Every dollar spent on a lottery ticket and nothing against the lottery, except for the fact that you know your chances of winning it are 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 are, are as as good as being struck by lightning twice in the same place in you know Tanzania on a Thursday. It's the worst chances ever is that you're betting against yourself. You are putting the mindset out there that this is how I'm going to succeed rather than going out there and busting your ass, putting in the hard work and bringing excellence to the world. What's lacking is people who bring excellence to the world. And my friend Jay Samet, Who wrote the book disrupt you and his new book future proof you talks about Mm -hmm. this that if you want to make more money solve bigger problems and if you want to make more money you need to go out there and bring excellence we forget that people you need to chase excellence and that's what i did i was again put in that state where I was like you know what I'm gonna invent this drug and people there's the, the noise all around you all the disbelievers all the people that are like you can't do it you're only a teenager you don't have any money you' didn't, right you cut all that shit out you put those fucking things on that horses have you know when they run the race what do you call those things I don't know but blinders. blinders that's right you put on the blinders and then you get focused on what it is that you're doing. You get focused on your success path. And it doesn't matter what other people say, but it doesn't mean you can just go out there and and listen to some airy fairy bullshit fucking dude or gal who's going to be telling you, just manifest, just look for the parking spot, whatever, whatever the fuck that is. You don't do that. What you do is you go out there and you make an impact. You seek excellence. You bust your ass I did that every single day in my 20s. I did not sleep. I, I, I was up at all hours. There was no sleeping. An order would come in. We'd make you a know, million dollars. I'd take that order. Another order would come yeah. in be $10 million. I would be there. You have to be there to take the money off the table. So you have to raise yourself to the place mm. where you are a tool for creating wealth. And then you sharpen that tool. And then when the money comes, you have to be ready and able to take it off the table. And you do that with hard work. You do that with hustle. There's no hack to that. There's no fucking, you know, magic secret formula that I could just drop for you and charge you, you know, some money for. And that's one of the great reasons why I teach people now how to sell on Amazon because it's real. It's fucking real, man. You know, look at Bezos, he's the richest guy in the world. Why is he the richest guy in the world? Because Well, there's there's a lot of reasons why he's the richest guy in the world, and I I talk about that a lot. But because he fucking hustled, yes, he came from he he came from some level of money. He busted his ass, but he came from Wall Street from D H Hutton. He learned quickly that you need to be around money and you need to master master money. He got inexpensive money from Wall Street, the cheapest money you could get, and pumped it into Silicon Valley, and he Mm. was ready drive a fucking honda wear five-year-old clothes eat fucking top ramen and sit in a musty office with old carpet until he fucking made it and that's the attitude that's the attitude that's lacking from our instagram you know get rich quick kind of kind of bullshit societies that a lot of us are attracted to and it's because you know what it's a lot easier to like get the shiny thing and buy the dude's t-shirt and to say yeah it didn't exactly work for me yet but i'm busy manifesting it fuck that you got to go out there and you got to hustle you have to seek pain you have to seek discomfort you have to seek failure you can't focus on on the what's matter, not matter the noise right it's like radiation all around you you got to wear a tinfoil fucking hat and go out there and make the world do what you want it to do. That's the great secret of masters, people at mastery level, people like my friend, Nolan Bushnell, who founded the company Atari and founded Chuck E. Cheese's and who who was one of the first people to hire Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs, who would walk into a, a, a room full of the best engineers in the world at Apple and tell them, hey, we need a phone with no buttons. And they'd be like, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. They're all taking notes. They're like, great. Okay. We can have this for you in like two years. He'd be like, that's really funny. The presentation's on Wednesday, get it fucking done. And he would leave, and they would all be like, I-, "I guess we're getting it done." And sure, things went wrong. There's that, uh, you know, the the classic uh, video of Steve Jobs trying to show the one of the first iPhones and it all fucking up and not working. But it was because <laughs> it was because of that. Because he did not understand that impossible was a thing. He did not understand that you could you could fail. It was not part of his vocabulary, he, and he was not chasing money. He didn't care how much that stuff cost. He didn't care if he didn't make money. What he cared about is bringing about excellence, bringing about the best fucking phone, the best fucking computer, the best fucking company in the world. And that's that's part of the reason why they kicked him out, because they didn't understand in the early days, as as was in the Isaacson book where they wrote, you know, the 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 guy who he hired didn't understand his madness and his genius. And that's the same reason why they brought him on, because they realized you can't buy that. You can't buy that magic dust. You can't hire a CEO who's run some big, you know, corporate business, soulless business to come and run a company that has a lot of soul. And that's what you exactly. have to do. And that's, you know, as, as as far as my story goes, that's what I did. And now I, I coach and encourage people through my Amazon course. And again, anybody that's interested, I'm happy to give you the one hour course for free. It's everything you need. You don't need to spend one cent. Uh, reach out to us You know, on the links below or on FBasellerCourse.com. And I'm happy to, to give you guys that for free. Um, I make enough money doing what I do. So I I will not be charging you the 200 bucks we normally charge for that if you use the code Oscar. And if I can help empower anybody, now that's my mission. I bring excellence to the world uh, in my own way by encouraging people. And nothing makes me feel better now, Oscar, than one of my students telling me, dude, Shaheen, I like left my job, um, you know, because it wasn't a fit for me. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And you got me selling on Amazon and now I'm making 10, 20, $30,000 a month. And I get to travel with my family. I get to enjoy my newborn child now, and I don't have to wake up and sell my hours for money, which is the other biggest fucking mistake that people make is that they sell their hours for money. And that's Mm -hmm. what we want to try to get people out of. Now, sometimes you have to do that for a period of time so that you can get to the point where you are not selling your hours for money.
1: Yeah, but it may start like that. What I really love, the biggest takeaway is that making money is a skill. I never thought of it that way, actually. So that's really incredible. And then you were talking about discipline a lot. And I'd love to know, maybe as a, just just have a few more minutes, what's some of the disciplines or routines that you do? You mentioned a few before, but maybe there's something else that you do on a weekly or daily basis that keeps you motivated and like focused.
0: Yes. And in my 40s, I finally have come to the realization in my 20s, this was not the case because all I was focused on was my business. Mm. Running a a company that's earning hundreds of millions in revenue all the time and over a billion of, of revenue really does tax you. And I didn't realize this at the time, but taking care of your body, your personal health, your brain, your mind, is one of the most important things you can do because all of this, your brain, doesn't work without the rest of your body, and we tend to forget that. So I I take a lot of time in the discipline of my body. I eat right, I eat very clean, and it, it doesn't mean that my diet doesn't change. I'm constantly on top of all the latest technology, all the latest science on what is right to eat, but also what is right for me. I no longer am dogmatic about what I eat. I am open to all things, very learnable because you learn that discipline is a learnable skill, and it also involves being a learnable person when you are mm. open to possibilities, which I wasn't in my 20, my 20s. I was like, I am vegan or I'm vegetarian or I'm this and that. You know, I have this diet and that's the only right way. You're highly limited. But now what I've learned in my 40s is that there is no universal truth for everybody. Sure, there are certain laws of nature that nobody can avoid. And you know, if you eat too much sugar and fried food and these kinds of junk uh, things, it's, gonna be, it's, it's not going to be good for anybody. But in general, as far as diet and wellness goes, we're all different. And so you have to find, and and similarly in life, you have to find the science of you. You have to find the thing that works for you. I don't care what people have written books on, what people think is the universal truth on this and that. You have to create that alchemy, that magic mixture for yourself of what makes you optimal. And when you have that, you spend your life refining that, only to realize that the journey is the destination. It's that journey to better health. It's that constantly changing your diet. And similarly in business, you find what works, but you're constantly tweaking it, which is why Amazon is so much fun. You know, when we sell on Amazon and I teach my students this all the time, it's not set it and forget it. I wish it was, but we hire VAs from all over the world to run their businesses for them. And we show them how to use people from Nicaragua and Venezuela and South and Central America, where you're paying a few bucks an hour compared to what we have to pay here in the US and creating these amazing teams that while you're sleeping or running your business, and what we realize is, is that Amazon is constantly changing. Bezos doesn't sleep. That algorithm doesn't sleep. You look at Elon Musk, he doesn't sleep. And it's, it's interesting. One of my favorite quotes from my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, and this is my quote, is that while you are sleeping, your enemies are planning your demise. And the reason I say that is because we think that we live in this la-la land where everybody gets a trophy and everything is good, but that is not the case. When you're in business, when you're in any kind of real-life environment, you will have competition, and they will not be friendly. They are looking to take the space that you are occupying. So you cannot sleep in your business, in your health, in your wellness. Now, there's ways to optimize that. And we teach that of how you can put people in place to work for you. You use their hours instead of yours. You can put in efficiencies and systems based thinking and and use AI and different types of technology to streamline your world. But that alertness, cannot be delegated. You have to always have that alertness that, hey, while I'm doing this, is there somebody who's planning to to take over the space that I occupy?
1: Yeah, that really summarizes it up, Being a, paying attention to all the details and yeah, being alert. So last rapid fire question. If looking back at your 15-year-old self and that moment of self-doubt, and now with all the experience, what would you tell him to make sure that's he can continue with confidence.
0: What would I tell him that he could con- continue with confidence?
1: I'm not so sure I would c- continue. Yeah. I'm not sure I
0: would tell him anything to continue with confidence. I think, you know, again, self doubt, while it's your enemy, it's also a driver. And mm. in my case, I embrace that. I tell the story often of when I walked into this Beverly Hills lawyer's office before I invented herbal ecstasy, and he was representing the state of somebody famous, and I wanted to use their image on a pill and, you know, the guy just shoved all the papers off the table and looked at me and was like, go back to school. And, you know, you can't do this. You don't have a company, you don't have money and you don't have this and that. And, you know, he had a fancy secretary and a fancy office and he wouldn't even validate my parking to get out of there. He, you know, just treated me like, Hey kid, you know, what are you wasting my time? And I remember feeling really dejected like, feeling really down, like, fuck, man, like, I'm doing all the wrong stuff. Why am I here? Like, this was so stupid for me to want to do this. And when I, the second I walked into the elevator, I was like, no, nah, you know what? Fuck that guy. I thought, fuck that guy. And the horse he rode in on, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to fucking be 10 times as successful than he's ever been, 100 times more successful than he's ever been. And I use that as fuel. But the self-doubt was a friend. It's like fear. It is fear. That is what it is. Fear is good. Fear is your friend. Fear keeps you from danger. Otherwise, we'd all be jumping off the, you know, off cliffs somewhere in the mountains. Fear is good because it alerts you to danger. But you have to learn to become its master, not the other way around.
1: Very true very true and as a person that yeah focuses on coaching for focus and being clear about what what exactly you want that's that is a major key Well, thank you so much for your time shine is there anything that hasn't been mentioned that you'd like to yeah, to talk about
0: yeah sure so like i said you know we'll put this up on our feed too for you guys who are interested oscar how do people find you in your podcast
1: it's everywhere spotify apple podcasts google podcasts it's going to be on youtube as well very soon and it's called the the authentic entrepreneur. And yeah, otherwise you can find me on my website, OscarWar.com. war is spelled W O E H R.
0: Awesome. Yeah. The authentic entrepreneur. So make sure you check out his other episodes. Of course, none of them are going to be as good as this one, but I'm sure that he'll have some other great ones on there. Um, But for me, guys, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Hack and Grow Rich. You can find that anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure to check out my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. We also have a podcast by that same name, which you can download for free anywhere podcasts are found. Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon, Stitcher, any of those places. And also make sure if you are interested in that Amazon course, today we are using code OSCAR. It doesn't matter how you spell Oscar, although he spells it O-S-K-A-R. And the Swedish way. The Swedish way, the correct way, as he would say. So if, if you, I think it's the Viking way. So if you were to contact us, you can go to ShaheenShan.com. We'll include that in the show links, dot E.com, or F B A Seller F B A Seller And just reach out to us, contact us, ask for the free one hour course, and we will inc- include that $200 value to you for free. And thank you so much for having me on the show today, Oscar. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for sharing your experience, Shaheen. It's been a real pleasure learning about this journey as I am also part of it and looking to get to that 1 billion mark.
0: Super fun. Let's get you there.
1: I appreciate it a lot.